0: You're listening to Hawk Talk, the official podcast of Monmouth University Athletics. Here are your hosts, Eddie Acapinti and Greg Viscomi. I'm sure people were worried they saw it's summertime. And, you know, where have Eddie and Greg been? Where's Hawk Talk been? And it's not summer. We don't take summer vacation here. Other people around campus and all around take summer vacation. Greg, me, and and the crew behind the scenes, we don't do that.
1: I think my wife was the only one who had asked me why there hasn't been an episode. But I'm sure people were, were wondering.
0: I had a few people text me.
1: Good. Thank you, people.
0: And they had said, you guys were on a run. What happened? And you know what? 21 there was, weeks straight. There was We had some issues with some guests. We had some end of the year things going on.
1: I mean, we had a little bit more than that. Some of us expanded our family.
0: I appreciate the day that it happened. When we had Gary on, <laughs> I know you wanted to talk about it then. So thanks for not, because we hadn't announced to the world yet, right, but right. it's true. Gary's but, like,
1: are we talking about the fact that that Eddie has welcomed a bundle? And, and I said, no, he doesn't want to. It's literally been like, a, it was like 24 hours later or something.
0: Yeah. My wife was like, wait, you have to do what? I said, I have to record Hawk Talk. She's like, our son's 36 hours old. I'm like, I'm aware. I'll, <laughs> see, you, in Kelly. An, I'll see you in an hour. Thank you, Kelly. But yes, we have the newest Hawks fan. Henry Edward joined us. Uh, just almost a month ago. Ironically enough, had them at Monmouth Medical. They do an amazing job. Not only are they partners of Monmouth Athletics and RWJ Barnabas Health, they do a great job.
1: Very valuable partners.
0: Valuable. They get the vision of the university. But, you know, it's kind of interesting. We start there, and it allows us to tie in right to our guest. And we're thrilled to have the the bona fides for our guest today. For someone who's still in college, and I know you're working on your, your graduate degree, but... Your resume, it's going to be a challenge to get it to one page. They tell you you got to do one page, Aaliyah, but you don't have to necessarily do that. And and Aaliyah Moore joins us on this edition.
1: (laughs) No, people like me coming out of college have one page resumes. People like Aaliyah can have more than that.
0: Yeah, mine fit on- If
1: you've actually done something other than bartend and a couple internships, you can actually have more than one page.
0: Mine fit on one page, size 14. Aaliyah's is not (laughs) going to be- not going to be-
1: Triple space. Sir, why is this triple space?
0: Right, right. What do you mean? I, I broadcasted games in college. Like, just- you're not applying for the right job. Ali is going to have a much different experience. Uh, we'll get to that tie with Monmouth Medical and our W.J. Barnabas a little bit on uh, later on during our conversation. But Aliyah Moore from the Women's Soccer Program, first of all, thanks for joining us. How are you doing today?
2: I'm doing well. Thank you for having
0: me. <laughs> we are so happy to be able to sit down and talk to you because this is a time of year when a lot of people and a lot of your colleagues and student-athletes kind of take – you know, maybe a breath and kind of say, okay, you know, we had a great year getting ready for another year. You're kind of the opposite of that. You are going full-fledged into uh, kind of simultaneously working on coming back for another great year on the field, but doing great work off the field. So how has this been is now, you know, it's summer. I'm putting it in quotes, but for you, you've been super busy.
2: Yeah, I've kind of been all over the place, um, especially like starting my internship at Mount Medical Center and then I'm also heavy in the NAACP Youth and College Division um, back in my local town, Manchester. So, being involved with that, getting ready for Juneteenth, and also for at Monmouth Medical Center for Pride Month, on just different events that we're creating. So, as an intern, like I'm learning from Ms. Sylvia, she's my um, advisor and just seeing all of the details that we actually have to coordinate and reaching out to people. I'm sending emails to all these uh, MMC employees that I have no idea, and it's just so funny. They're calling our um, our line. I'm like, hi, Aaliyah Moore, Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion. How may I help you? And then, like, <laughs> all these different people that I don't even know, and I'm like, well, Miss Sylvia's not in right now. I'll get back to you. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, like, you would see that like in the movies, or like, <laughs> right, right, and I'm right. like, oh my gosh, I'm actually you're, doing this. You're thing. living it. Yeah, so it's uh, pretty cool, I guess. And then also just being involved um, back at home with church and helping the youth there, and I feel like there's just so many different varieties. And thinking going into grad school with all the other clubs that I'm a part of, we're getting ready for that. So, yeah. Uh,
1: I mean, <laughs> where do we start? I mean, also you're a Division One athlete let's like <laughs> yeah we, we didn't been- even touch that <laughs> yeah. she did. that didn't make it into the opening right. statement and right? and you know what when you're you know going into your final year and you like your everything shifts like now you're being prepared for your your career yeah. um, but even 2 years ago and i imagine it started much before then but i'm just saying where we kind of picked up the story like Two years ago, you were super involved in community and Black Lives Matter. And um, when that was and still is a hot butt, hot button topic, um, let, let's kind of re- rewind to that a little bit, Eddie, if, if you're good with that. Um, you know, obviously, George Floyd thing happens and and everybody's looking for a way to kind of help or get involved or whatever. But it seemed like you weren't just getting involved, you were like at the at the head of the table Um, talk about some of the things and and what kind of motivated you and were you involved a little bit before that and that kind of like pushed it forward like talk about your involvement with the local NAACP um, college division uh, chapter
2: yeah so I've been a part of the NAACP youth and college division since I was young actually since I would say I started in middle school So I would speak at we would have um, Dr. Martin Luther King banquets and like I would do public speaking. So I would do poems, my own spoken words. So like I would always speak about just amazing activists and learning about them. And so growing up, like that was just kind of something that I had in my back pocket. But I never really got to um, be a live activist until actually with George Floyd when that had happened, that really sparked a lot within my own family, and um, it was an emotional time for me and my family, um, just thinking of when I was little, actually, um, we had lived um, in a different neighborhood, and I remember my brother was sleeping, my mom was sleeping as well, and there were police officers, like, surrounding our household, and, like, we had I mean, I'm the only one that's up in my room watching TV. And I'm, I'm a kid, so I have no idea. And I ran into my mom's room like, there's police. We got to hide. Like, just in general, I was freaking out because I'm like, I don't know what's going on. And they busted into our house, and they actually had taken me and my mom out of our household. And my mom works for Lakewood Police. So she was like, you have no right. You can't be doing this. Like, we had no idea why they were even coming into our home. And my brother was still asleep in the household, and he said when they came into his room, they had guns already pointing at him, and he's like, what is going on? And it turns out there was a warrant for my uncle, who doesn't even live at our household, but I guess he had given an address somehow, Mm. and so they arrived at our household. And um, they were like, my apologies, ma'am. Like, sorry that this happened. And we're like, this was... (laughs) <laughs> just like this does not happen right you know and so just thinking about um events of like just people like in households and being shot and not even like knowing where direction you're coming from like just by me running like i could have been easily i am george floyd you know mm-hmm. or even mm-hmm. with my brother like so when i saw that it made me flashback of the trauma that i didn't even realize at a young age And so when I think about with my soccer team, I'm like, yo, I bet they have no idea. Right. And even with um, Serena Jones at the time, my teammate who graduated, you know, of her being mixed as well, being black and white, that it also is important for her as well. in dealing with that identity, like always dealing with you're not black enough, you're not white enough like the like she's communicated with these things of struggles that she's had and like something that I can never really understand Mm -hmm. that perspective. And so that's why we wanted to raise awareness with our soccer team and we even hit our team group chat just sending a nice friendly message like, I think we need to have a conversation and, you know, just have an intimate Zoom call of the realities that we're facing in our own households. And I'm telling you that was definitely an emotional zoom with yeah. our soccer team but it was needed and actually brought us much closer and it made me and Serena feel comfortable and it made us all it made them understand where we were coming from it made them actually um take it further for them, for their own selves and have an understanding like no I actually know somebody that actually went through this, that goes through this on a daily basis, and this is real, mm-hmm. you know. And um, I think that it's important to have a very inclusive environment, and I can honestly say that's what I have with my own soccer team and Coach Chrissy. And from that, it actually blew up, because then there was a local pl- uh, protest at Lakewood that I spoke in front of. Like, there's a lot of people out there, like 300-plus people. Right. And I was actually emotional because I looked out, And I saw this mother, she was just crying, and her eyes were directly on me. And I saw the pain, like, and her eyes were red, and she's just crying. And I just started crying, too, and I was emotional. I'm like, gosh, I'm supposed to be speaking right now and doing my spoken word. And I did. Um, But you felt the environment. And out there, there was a lot of people hurt, a lot of people that felt unheard. And to be able to speak, you know, I'm only 22, but at the time I'm – I was like 21 or so. Like, I'm young. So when I was out there, I'm like, you know, it doesn't matter how old you are. It doesn't matter what color, what culture, ethnicity. Everyone has a voice. And I decided to use my own so that I, I just want to make a difference because I don't want to live a life where I'm in fear or that I don't belong. And... I want others to feel loved and know that they are important and matter. So that's why I take it personal and why I'm even doing diversity, equity, inclusion. And I figure it out like, oh, that's the career path I would like to pursue because I'm, that's what I believe in. So,
1: yeah. So that was going to be like my next, my follow up or next question is like, now you've taken a, a passion and you've turned it into a career, which is like, what everybody's goal is right you you like find it find something you can get paid for that you have a tremendous amount of passion in um how did you get hooked up it, with the this role over at monmouth medical
2: yeah so um dr zanetta she is in charge of i believe the cultural center at the student center um i actually reached out to her and she hooked me up and sent mm-hmm. me she was like hey if you're looking for an internship uh, you should apply here. And it's so funny that you guys are talking about the resumes because I actually, my resume was really too long. I had, it was like, <laughs> no three, kidding. We heard all
0: the stuff that you do. Yeah, right? no, it was <laughs> like two to three
2: pages. So I had to go to the writing center and like set an appointment. And they actually helped me, like, how, like, all right, you have all of this, but you really, let's focus on the main, like, make
1: it concise. Yeah. Right. Right.
2: So, but Miss Sylvie, she was like, wow, your resume is very impressive. And like, you know, when I had my interview call, um, it's so funny because there were, like, nine other candidates as well. Wow. So, to be able to just...
1: Beat out eight other people. Yeah, that was, that was pretty cool. That's awesome. Um,
2: so, well, it was a great opportunity.
0: <laughs> always competing, right? Whether it's on the field or yeah, in the professional world. And we didn't know, I didn't know your, your personal connection, right, going all the way back. so. Yeah. That story that put you on this path yeah. from that story to now this opportunity that you have, you're, like you said, you're still in grad school and you're 22, but to be able to be working in something you're so passionate about and to help so many other people understand yes. why you are passionate about it. I can't even, I mean, I'm 38 and I mean, Greg and I are just figuring out what we want to do with our lives. H- how does that make you feel knowing that you can make an impact at such a young age and now charting you kind of on this journey where you're going to be able to impact so many people. And two of them are in this room, by the way, that you've been able to impact because our experiences are so different from yours. How does that make you feel? And you probably haven't even had time to look at it and do it because you're you know so busy doing so much stuff.
2: I feel like that just goes back to my beliefs and who I am. Um, I believe that God created us in our own image and that we all have our own purpose in life. And I feel that I'm fulfilling that. And I feel that um, it's just something that's within me that I'm just excited. Like, I don't know how to describe it. You can't really, you just know. And so... When I get the opportunity, like how I am now uh, speaking, I just really dig deep inside of me and I just want people to know that I do care about them and that I love them. Even though I don't know you, like just because you're a human being, uh, we're all connected in our own way. And the only, and I feel like I also realize when you can really have empathy for other people and take the time to get, other, get to know someone. I feel like that's really powerful because then that adds on to your own life and your own story, and you get inspired to go out and do something with that. So um, I think that answers. Your, I don't know if I answered your question. You
0: more than answered my question. <laughs> you you led me right into a follow up question because, like Greg mentioned, kind of at the top of of our you know of our recording, you know, you're a local person like we all are. We're all from Monmouth and Ocean County in our area, and I feel like for a lot of what we all saw specifically us as, as white men, it was scenes on the news, you know, and it, it didn't necessarily hit close to home till you understand that this happens everywhere. It doesn't need to be the spot where the news is to have been affected. So did you encounter that at all, you know, when you're talking with your teammates? Because I feel like so many people, you know, think of Monmouth University in, in you know, the shore area, but don't understand that, like you said, there was a, a, a great protest in Lakewood. There was a great one in Asbury Park. I know a lot of Monmouth athletes were, were at that one. How important is it for you to, to bring that to light in this area, you as a local person, that, yes, what you see on the news is true, but what you don't see in certain communities is also needing to be brought to light? Mm,
2: I'm trying to answer that. Can you like rephrase it a little?
0: Like It's more so that, you know, Aaliyah, just because let's use George Floyd, right? And it okay. happens in Minnesota. Mm-hmm. And I live in Monmouth County, New Jersey. But for you to be able to make people in this community feel what those people are feeling there, you know, whether it's hurt, whether it's the distrust, how important is it for you to carry that message?
2: Well, I mean, it's very important to carry the message more so. Like, I feel that even if it's, in a different state, a different um, town. It's like, for example, I see, like how I saw with George Floyd, just the fact of him being an African American man, like that could have been my dad. Like that could have been my uncle. And like I know people have heard those statements and like it's like, well, it wasn't your uncle, it wasn't your dad. But it's the reality of when I'm driving. I already know the expectation um, that I must have and like, a lineup of when I get pulled over in that reality. Like, I know that I do have family members in law enforcement, so I have a little bit of comfortability. I can pull out that gold card. <laughs> but um, before even having that, like, right. you know, just knowing, like, roll down all your windows, turn on your lights, making sure your hands are on the wheel, and saying, hi, sir, like, make them feel comfortable like that's what my parents had taught me make sure you make them feel comfortable and so that invites them to feel comfortable as well so that you can be comfortable as well is what I'm trying to say and so <laughs> it's so funny I would actually be like hi officer um I'm sorry for speeding or like I'll just automatically off the bat and I'm like yeah but my mom works for liquid police um Uncle Ricardo he's a state trooper RJ Copeland he's my cousin and his badge number is I'm not gonna say his badge number right right right, right. but um I would have <laughs> already yeah, I would already have a list so that they couldn't say anything mm-hmm. right and the race card couldn't be involved and because I'm also a woman too like I I feel like I that's a little bit of um not privilege but rather like I know I'm not like my boyfriend like right. he would be terrified. I remember meeting him. He was like, yeah, what are you doing? I'm like, what? Relax. He was like, no, put your hands on the dashboard. Total cultural shock. Because mm-hmm. he's from New York. It's a little different. You know, I in Manchester, like it's a little bit more relaxed, but growing up in New York, like it's a totally different mm-hmm. environment. So it doesn't matter, like I said, of the town, of the state, just knowing that I am black in America there's things that are real. There's people that hate me and don't even know who I am, because I am black, and there's nothing I can do about it, and that's the reality that I live with. But knowing that regardless of if you like me or not, regardless of your biases or anything, I'm still going to treat you with the like with respect, I'm still going to smile and be nice. Because that's just who I am. And if you don't take the opportunity to get to know who I am, that's on you. But I have a choice just like you do. And all I can do is show you a positive way in going about it. And race, racism, that aspect is taught, is learned. But it can be unlearned. And that's the hope that I hold on to. I always have hope for people. So.
0: And that led you into the journey that you're on, and like Greg mentioned, into this great work that you're doing at the Monmouth Medical Center. So now you get to, I, I feel like in such a short amount of time, you've experienced so much, and you're able to turn it into positive change. So ha- has your experience there been what you thought it was going to be, and in your passion for this? You've only realized, like, now you're like, yeah, this is exactly what I wanted to do, and in a place like this is a great place to start.
2: Yeah, I love it. <laughs> I love it. every. Like, it's so funny because... People will have jobs that they just hate or don't like waking up to. But I actually love going to work. And I I just love my supervisor. Like, she makes it so much easier to understand. Th- like, she makes everything, um, she just makes everything make sense. And even if, like, I'm confused or I don't know what's going on, she always says, hey, it's okay. Like, we'll get back to it and, like, when you have someone that's leading by example and showing the ways on how, cause it's chaotic. Like sometimes it's very chaotic, but she makes everything like that pressure look so easy. So I'm like, <laughs> all right, so maybe I'm enjoying this cause I'm not having all the stress <laughs> and all the other stuff because I'm going home at like maybe five, six. At, she's going home at like nine, 10 o'clock. Sometimes right. she's in the office and that's just her personality. Cause she, it's kind, we're kind of similar. We're kind of like the same person, too. So I think that ties into it when you can find a partner and work together. To how can we find change for our Monmouth medical employees? How are we um, addressing these issues and even the trainings that we're having um, so that people know how to address people, especially within the LGBTQ community as well? and understanding the terms and terminology so you're not offending somebody or even, like, the Jewish community as well. Like, there's so many key aspects that I wasn't even aware of until I came to this internship that more even, like, I take it back home. Like, you can't say that. That could be uh, a microaggression. And my parents are like, what are you talking about? <laughs> I'm like, just don't do that. Don't right. say that. <laughs> so it's so funny. Of I'm I, I'm just having a ball really.
1: It's awesome. So let's let's rewind a little bit longer. I mean, we just blew through 20 awesome minutes of <laughs> important, super important stuff, but I don't want to discount like your story uh, on the field, right? Like how did you, you know, obviously grew up, played at Manchester High School, which is not far from here. It's very close to where I live. Um, how did you end up at Monmouth and why, why did you choose Monmouth and um talk about like your your Growing up, did you only play soccer? What sports did you play? And then how did, how did you end up here?
2: Yeah, so I actually, soccer was my main sport. Um, I also played basketball and ran track.
0: All conference, by the way, in those other sports. She's being mm-hmm. very humble, of course.
2: <laughs> I, I, I loved basketball. Basketball was fun. But um, I actually didn't play my senior year because um, I just really wanted to focus on soccer and just getting prepared for... To be a student-athlete, and that's actually what I'm going to talk about for the golf outing later um, because I actually came to Monmouth because of Coach Chrissy. Um, She saw something in me that all of, like, I was being recruited by, um, like, Seton Hall or um, Hampton University was what I was thinking about going to um, and a couple other places. But with Coach Chrissy, like, you know, (laughs) She had a strong personality, and, you know, she was just right to it. And she just told me that you're going to have to work. You're going to have to work really hard, and you already have that in you. And I know that you would make a positive impact here. And I felt really confident um, compared to the other um, coaches, and she made it very intimate. So I knew I wanted to come here because I'm big on um, people believing in me. I feel like I feel off of that. And so me and Coach Chrissy have a great relationship too, and I feel like that's what really uh, also motivates me as, as well as my teammates. But freshman year coming into Monmouth, I really had to learn what it meant to be an authentic student athlete, like what that actually meant. That means my eating habits, like high school I would, <laughs> what? I would eat subs, uh, some – French fries. I would get fifty cent. Uh, what was it? Sugar cookies. <laughs> like, and like I would eat that before games, and like still kill it. it didn't really matter. But you know, I had to change my unhealthy <laughs> habits and um, eating my egg whites and grilled chicken and fruit. I would re- religiously eat that like every single day. Um, and I actually had to unlearn and relearn what hard work, discipline. I had to learn what time management was because I was a hot mess. Like I was that no, I was that teammate that you had to remind to bring your shin guards. Like, and it's like Aaliyah, come on. Like I remember we went I, don't, I think it was some um, writer. I forgot my socks, and my, our goalkeeper, Amanda, actually, she had to give me her extra socks. and coach didn't even know. If she listens to this, it's fine. Yeah, she's gonna find out. She's now. gonna No, oh, no, it's to it. totally fine. But I was like, Guys. "What's she
0: gonna
1: do now about it?"
2: You no, know, it was so funny. And I'm like, "Guys, I That's forgot." Fun. They were like, "Aaliyah," but everyone knew, you know, and everyone would always remind me, "Hey, Aaliyah," <laughs> and like, you know, at first I really appreciated it, but then it started to get on my nerves because I'm like, "Dang, like I need to grow up." Mm-hmm. Like I'm sick of people reminding me to get my stuff together, and like for real, like it was like, "All right, I got it." So then. I started to set alarms on my phone to make sure that I got things done on time. For study all hours, like freshman year, you're supposed to do five hours. I did double that, actually. And I would just be in there making sure I got all my work done because I also struggled academically, too. So I had to put in more work because our high standard of a 3.5, I'm like, what like I'm used to a 3.0, just chilling back, you know. <laughs> but you know, when I got that 3.5, I'm like, holy crap! Like I did this, right? And then that standard of art, I want to do above that. And different semesters, I would get like a 4.0, and like, I just striving for excellence. And that's what Coach Chrissy installed in me. And then on the field, like it was a progress, uh, a progress for me, especially. Um, cause I know what it's like to play majority of the game, to play 12 to 14 minutes of the game and to not get in the game at all. Mm-hmm. Like I know what each of those experiences are. And that kind of makes me as an old head as a fifth year, <laughs> cause like, I know how to connect to our upcoming classes and let you know, like, Hey, I, I know the process. I know what it's like to feel like, dang, like, am I actually good? Like, am I actually making an impact? And I know what it's like to pl- play majority of the game, and your teammates are cheering you on. And you're like, "Dang! Like I don't want to let them down. Like I want to keep on going for the team." Right. So it taught me different experiences to humble myself, to be selfless, and to be a true teammate and create an environment. Like if I knew if I wasn't getting the game, I was going to bust my behind in practice so that our starters can be prepared for our game. And like that was just my mentality, knowing my role. On the
1: team, and I was okay with that. So that—that's actually something I was going to mention to you or ask you. Actually, um, every kid, every kid, every student athlete who comes to school here is probably the best player on their high school team, club team, if not, you know, top two, top three at the most. You're at a Division one competitive Division one school. How did you handle? and I'm sure you know other people, how did you handle coming in and being the freshman on a very good team and a very successful program and maybe not stepping in and being the woman who scored 181 career high school points? Like, was that personally very hard for you? Did you use it as motivation? I mean, I think different people handle it different way, and it's interesting to get that point of view.
2: Yeah, I mean, for me, with my personality too, like – I'm kind of uh, a bubbly person and where it's like if I don't know something, then it's like, oh, okay, well, now I know and I'll do better. And um, with Coach Chrissy, there was a lot of things that I had to critique and, you know, I wasn't ready to, like, I just simply wasn't ready for um, to be a starter my freshman year because I had to get fit. Like I didn't 615 mile what? I came in with a seven-minute mile freshman year but then eventually like over time like running a 553 mile like it it took time for me to develop but like coach saw something in me and knowing that like hey this kid has potential she can bring so much to the table and like you know I just knew that whenever I did get in the game I was going to give my very best and like that allowed me to be like on the rookie team and like having different contributions but freshman year I would say it was the most challenging because of my confidence and I was like the underdog no one expected it but like obviously you wouldn't see it necessarily on the field or you didn't really hear my name or career stats but rather my teammates knew Aaliyah's the hardest worker on the team and like knowing that my teammates saw that and and hearing that it just made me want more not for myself though not for the glory of like I'm gonna be the best one on this on the team mm-hmm. like no I don't look to do that I want us to win and I embrace that and so that also led to my leadership skills and people started to follow me when I when I it was the other way around like everyone was like oh Aaliyah but then it's like <laughs> no Aaliyah yeah, you know, no, I
1: want to be, yeah, like when you're a junior, now you have a freshman come in and say, no, I want to be a Liam Moore.
2: So it was, it was crazy. And, like, just being able, and also with my injury, too, dealing, uh, tearing my Achilles, like that, no one w- kn- knew it, but, like, that was my year. Like, I was really going to make an impact and being a team captain at the time and, like, just I was I was ready. And then that happened. But – I bust my behind to get back and I still was able to make an impact for our um, championship and that was really cool. So now it's kind of like I'm getting back to where I was when I tore my Achilles and I think that's the most exciting part uh, to be able to really contribute and for people to know what I can really do on the
0: and we notice it too, obviously watching every game and hearing all the great work that you do off the field. Someone asked me, and Aliyah alluded to it, uh, she's going to be our, our keynote student-athlete speaker at our university golf outing this coming Monday, and, um, and for all of the reasons that we're talking on this podcast now. This is almost like a preview, right, <laughs> of Monday. But someone, we were getting ready for the golf outing, and, and someone asked me how to describe you, and... I literally said whether it's on or off the field, you you just use the word that I used. I said impact. She's going to make an impact, whether it means the ball's in the back of the net, whether it means a teammate just scored a goal. And that selfless attitude, Aaliyah, is one that um, we, I think it's lost nowadays because of things like the transfer portal, because of different things where if people don't get instant gratification, they're going to look for a different opportunity. What was the biggest Factor. you mentioned your close relationship with Coach Turner. You mentioned your own needing to grow up to be a student athlete. When you look back at that, what is the one thing that in your mind really made it click for you, whether it was personal accountability or time management? Like what was that thing that made you then realize, you know what, this is the place I want to be and that this is where I want to get to?
2: Um. Well, it's so funny because I think that with Coach Chrissy, um... I feel like it's, like, <laughs> like I just kind of listened. I feel that whatever Coach Chrissy had, um, had suggested for me to do, I did it. And I didn't ask a question. When she told me, like, hey, I think it would be a great idea to do some extra fitness before practice, I said, okay. I would run 120s before practice. Or even if I didn't get in the game, like, when everyone left, like on that Hasfield, lights out, I was running one twenties and no one even knew what I was doing. And I feel like my fitness, um, was what really clicked because I never was really like fit. I was just really good, you know, like from middle school, high school, no one ever really educated me on that aspect. And, you know, competing at this high level, like you can be technical, strong, fast on the ball, but if you can't run, you're going to get tired. you got to be taken out. No one has time for that. You know, so I had to be super fit. And I think that added to my game when I started passing the mile. And then when I started to um, really go beyond that and working on my my own self and developing that, I started to build my own confidence in my own game. And it took that to a whole nother level. And so when I saw the benefits and all of all of the amazing things that I was doing with my own body, my own health and like what I contributed and what my teammates were fueling and telling me, reminding me, I was like, all right, I want to do more. Like I just got it I got so not addicted, but like I was just like, yo, I want more of this. And that I feel like that's what I chase after. I chase after that positivity, that positive energy environment and that's what our soccer team's all about like yeah we win and we have rings and championships but the environment the people the relationships that i've built and have like it makes you want more and knowing that my teammates are gonna lay down every single game for one another like that fuels me like all right, i need to work hard for jesse i need to work hard for caravan like, because they're busting their behind, I want to bust mine. And I want our freshmen to know, like, this is what we do. And continuing this legacy, you know. When we had lost that one season uh, with my Achilles that, I was like, no, we have to win next year. <laughs> like, it it was it was different for us because we were so used to winning that high. And when that happened, it was it humbled us. And it fueled something inside of us to really go after it. And I, I think that's what I live and breathe by. So
1: Coming back last season, playing in the CAA, how exciting kind of is that to, to shift gears into a better league against new opponents, new areas? Um, what's kind of the temperature of the team with, with that?
2: I think that we're excited. We think that it's a great opportunity for us to really, like, we're just excited to really level up. I feel like everyone's like, yeah, we won't be playing in the MAC, Like, because, you know, it's really testing the waters. Like, we would constantly win, but it's like, now we're playing at a higher level. Now the expectation, the bar, it's kind of like the adrenaline, the butterflies, Mm -hmm. and it moving and Change is good. Change is so good because it allows you to develop and just how, for like, even thinking of it in a smaller uh, setting, like with my freshman year of learning, this is a learning step for our, our program, for all the sports, for us to understand from a different level and point and to just excel in. And it may take time. We may go out and get a ring. We may or may not, but this is all part of our journey and I think that's what makes it special as a program and you know it's, we have nothing to lose
1: and I have little doubt that coach Turner's program is one of the reasons that the CAA wanted Monmouth involved I mean they've been very honest about uh you know obviously the location and, and the and the academic prowess of the school but having a successful program join Overall athletics pro- program join was was a high on their list of why they brought teams in, and if you ask what is the most successful women's program here at Monmouth, you have to say women's soccer. You know, women's indoor and outdoor track and fields got to be there too, but I think women's soccer. I mean, it's just every year the expectation is to make an NCAA tournament.
0: And I think Leah, you make a great point, and Greg, it's not just to win and get to the NCAA tournament, but it's the team's ability. The few times in the tenure in the Mac where they fell short to then come back, and I think that's what the most impressive thing is. You know, Alia, you mentioned it from your your own personal comeback. You had other teammates with similar fates that kind of you know followed a similar track to you. This team's resilience is remarkable. And take people behind the scenes a little bit. The depth of this team is remarkable. How incredibly competitive is practice if there's about 15 student athletes that could start for the women's soccer team, maybe more, how crazy competitive are those practices as you get ready for a season?
2: It's very competitive. Um, in reality, it's like, you know, we love each other, we support one another, but, you know, we're competing. We're very competitive, and that's something that had to be install, installed into me as well um, you know, and being hungry, like, you know, like, I'm here to play in reality. And so, especially with preseason, I feel that, you know, It's always that butterflies for the upperclassmen because, you know, the incoming freshmen and, you know, we all have to connect and bond. But then it's like, all right, mile test is the first day. (laughs) All right, who's going to be first? All right, we already know Caravan's going to run like a five-minute mile, so we're not even worried about Caravan. (laughs) Like, Caravan, you just do your own thing. But who's going to be the next one, you know? Or 120s. All right, who's making all 10 120s? But even though... It is very competitive. We still – I love how we still support one another. Like, we're making sure that whoever didn't pass the mile, that we're there supporting or we're running with them so that – and we're pushing them physically. Like, I mean, behind, like, pushing their back so that they can pass this test. Like, you're going to make it. And it's, like, so exciting when everyone does pass. And um, it, I think that what really – sets the bar in practice is just the attitudes that even the upperclassmen have and that chip over our shoulders, like, we, this is what we do. And um, we set the bar high so that we can compete. And we know that we're not doing this to rather, like, outbeat one another, but we're doing this because we are our biggest competition. We're doing this to better one another. And if I'm not giving my 100%, how am I bettering you? How are, how are you going to elevate your game – And I think that the fact that we're going into another league now is going to be even more crazier. (laughs) I think it's going to be, like, balls to the wall, like, straight up. And I think that's what we need. You know, we're kind of relaxed sometimes, but I think this is going to be an upgrade for all of us.
0: I think that's such an interesting perspective. I think so many times, you know, Greg, myself, I think we get caught up talking to the coaches about the experience, but the student athlete experience about switching leagues, you know, we look at it very you know i, I don't want to say transactionally but to us it's a step up in competition but you know greg to hear how alia you know words it and to you know the day to day kind of grind that goes into it that's going to be i think the most in- interesting thing to see you know when these teams report back in august to get ready for that first season in the caa and yeah. and i know we're all excited to see what this women's soccer program has in store for the caa and alia mentioned it expectations are going with this team
1: yeah and that's awesome and and it's like it's easy for us to say, like, oh, yeah, we're going to compete in the CAA, but we're not the ones running. I'm not running a 120. So. <laughs> right. We're not the ones <laughs> shooting on goal. We're not the ones playing defense. Like, so it is and, – and I've talked with a couple student-athletes, obviously, in the last year since we've known or whatever, six months, and and they all seem to have the same kind of sentiment of, yeah, we're ready to step up and, and take this next challenge. And um, it's just what makes this place special and makes our student-athletes special is that they are – Talking to our student athletes, if I didn't tell you Aliyah Moore is a student athlete at Monmouth University, hearing the things that she said about just about look take all the other impressive stuff, but just about playing soccer, you would say, Oh, does she play at a Big Ten school? Does she play at Penn State? Does she play at right. you know Michigan? Like so and that's that echoes the student athletes that we have at, at Monmouth from the the smallest team to the largest team. So it it makes it pretty special to be able to work here and work with these student athletes.
0: Oh, it does. I mean, the fact that we get to tell this, help tell the story. I mean, you do a great job telling your own story, but the fact that we can right? (laughs) well, we we have this podcast, we have our our broadcasts and social media is really remarkable. And you know, Lee, I, I feel like we've, we've gotten to speak about some very serious topics and some, some very fun topics during our conversation, but I think we would do the listener a disservice if we didn't introduce them to you just a little bit more. You you hear all the great work that Aaliyah does, but now let's kind of take a deep breath. And now let's kind of step back a little bit from from some of the, the heavier topics. And we, we like to lighten up at the end a little bit. And one of the things that I'm real curious about, what's the pregame ritual? What is Aaliyah Moore's... Either routine, whether it's a certain song you're playing, you know, in the AirPods or whether it's something that you do that's maybe a little bit unique to get ready for a match. What What's your kind of pre-match routine like, whether it's the music in your headphones or, or what you do to get ready?
2: So if it's a home game, um, I usually pray in my car or um, caravan or a few of us. We actually go in the hall um, by the locker room and we all pray together as well and the locker room is loud it's just i mean it's wild especially last season with jill uh she was our hype man in the locker room so uh (laughs) whenever a song was on she was just dancing every single like every song that came on she was dancing and that actually set the mood in the locker room because you know there's some people that are shy and reserved And me, like, you know, sometimes I like to just chill and just be in my own little zone. But when you have a bubbly teammate, Jill, just in your face dancing, it's like, all right, I'm just going to dance, too. (laughs) So, like, you know, you have those serious moments where, you know, um, I get to pray and uh, get ready. But then I'm just having fun. Like, we're having fun in the locker room, getting hyped up for the game. And then... um, Coach, like she'll come in, she'll give like the scout and everything and then we do our chant. Um, I actually do the chant and it's the like I I believe I believe that we will win, but I will do a little um well Jill used to do it actually. She would say whatever was on her heart and just screaming, like, We're gonna win We're gonna do So now that she's graduated now it's like, All right, Lee, are you gonna do it? It's like, All right, well, Okay, I guess I'll step in and I'll (laughs) figure out what, I don't even know what to say, but.
0: I I think it'll come to
2: you. Yeah, it'll just come to me, like, just to hype up the team. But um, for away games, blasting music, gospel music is what I listen to. Um, And there are some gospel songs that are pretty lit. So, you know, it's not like the slow, like, you know, there's some,
0: <laughs> I, I knew of some back in the day, but like, who's the person now then that, that gets you going with that kind of music?
2: I like Kirk Franklin.
0: I, no, cause that, that's the, gonna, that's the one that I knew, right? <laughs> okay, cool. Stop was the song back in the day.
2: Well, there's also Dante Bao. He's like, um, I think he's like in his thirties or whatnot, but he's pretty cool too. Um, um, he's um they also elevation worship i listen to them uh there's a new song out. um called roar check that out it's pretty fire i would listen to that when you're working out like when you're lifting and stuff so um there's definitely that's really what i do and um it's pretty simple and just everything that sometimes i'm a visual person too so when i'm playing music, I close my eyes I envision me scoring, or I envision me making that extra pass, going end line, crossing it, finishing, having someone finish it. Um, everything that coach would tell us, like I would, I would see it on the field already. And um, nine times out of ten, sometimes it happens. Sometimes you know, all right, I'll try next game. All right, it didn't go the way that I.
1: Uh, it's totally fine. <laughs> um, all right, my turn. I and I'm assuming. What's one movie that when you were a kid you just wore out? Like it used to be tapes, nobody has tapes, and probably maybe might have been DVDs when you were when you were younger. But what's one movie you watched just nonstop, stop Like your go-to? Oh
2: my gosh. Um I would say, <laughs> There's so many movies. It's so funny that you ask cuz me and my siblings we would uh <laughs> Do, like, different um, movies and we'll, like, reenact them and stuff. So, like, we would watch uh, Coach Carter okay. a lot and uh, we'll recite, like, the quote that he would give, like, our deepest fears that we're inadequate, our deepest fears, we're powerful beyond measure. And it's like, all right, name the name the movie, you know. And my <laughs> mom's like, what is going on? Like, what? <laughs> I'm like, you have, it's totally fine. You don't know. Right. You don't know. So, but Coach like,
1: Carter's <laughs> one of them.
2: Yeah, Good Burger.
0: Good
1: bird, yeah. nice. All right. like yes, that's like my childhood. Th- yeah,
2: we would do the theme song too and everything. Um, I I grew up on Disney, so I yep. watched a lot of Disney Channel movies, um, like High School Musical. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, Zoe One Hundred and One had a movie as well. Um, what was it? Um, oh, the SpongeBob movie. <laughs> oh, that I knew that cool. one was coming around at yeah. some point. Yeah, I, I I love Disney, Nickelodeon. Yep. That was right up my alley. Oh, and Marvel. Sorry.
1: Marvel movies.
2: Yeah, Iron Man. Yep. Of Iron Man.
0: Everybody loves Marvel. Yeah. Yeah. Well, they have a movie for exactly every kind of like superhero taste. Pretty much. Sure. Right. It's yeah. crazy. Cause I was late into the superhero game, but I'm like, all right, let's just figure this out. And then there you go. Now you can't
1: stop watching. Even, him, right? even our colleague, Mark Mormon, who seemed to maybe only watched four movies his whole life, big into Marvel <laughs> has seen many Marvel movies. Now he has started a whole run. So you got to know they're good then. I mean, he just watched Jurassic park like four weeks ago.
0: Yeah, we we had a we were doing a podcast and and I mentioned something in Jurassic Park and they was like, well, spoiler alert! I'm like, dude, the movie came out in '93. <laughs> right. I was ten when the movie came out. Right. Right. But, you know, Aaliyah, <laughs> we know you're so busy, not just in what you're doing now, but in getting ready for next season and getting ready for Monday. We're so excited to obviously be able to to have you address that room on behalf of all student athletes. But more so, just thank you for joining Greg and I. You know, you came right from work and, and yeah, came you know, right to us. So we appreciate it and obviously wish you the best of luck. You don't need it because you're obviously doing great things. But thank you so much for joining us. Oh, thank you. It's so just great to be able to catch up with some of the student-athletes. Greg, you said it on a podcast earlier this year. It's great when we get to talk to the coaches, but it's really good and even more rewarding when we get to hear from, from the student-athletes. And we are just scratching the surface of the great stories that we can tell here with stories much like what we heard from Aaliyah, who, by the way, is more accomplished at 22 <laughs> than a lot of people double her age.
1: So mature, great outlook on life. She called herself bubbly. She's got a great personality. She is, I mean, I feel like we say it all the time, but she's like the reason why we do what we do. Mm-hmm. Because you love to watch her succeed. And I can't wait to see what the next 10 years has for Leah Moore.
0: Well, and those are the, you know, when we do this in however many years when we're talking to her as an alum with the great work that she does it's going to be even more rewarding to hear what she goes on to do and then hopefully stays in touch with her teammates and, you know, comes back and you could tell when you talk to someone, whether it's two minutes before a game or a 45 minute Hawk talk, you know, just how serious they are about what they do and whether it's social justice, whether it's soccer, whether it's diversity, equity, and inclusion, you could hear that that's all passionate stuff from Mm
1: -hmm, mm Mm-hmm. Definitely. She, uh, she's just (laughs) a driven human being, like, and it's awesome. And, and, Sometimes like I think about having kids myself and you're going to have kids or you have kid, a kid and you know I'm sure you'll have more. Sorry, I'm not putting that pressure on you. It's but okay, like, she's
0: already done that.
1: Yeah, you like <laughs> lo- a month in. You, you, you I, I would love to like sit down with her parents and be like, "What did you do?" Yes. Give me the secrets. It's like uh, you know, going go to a coach's clinic like I'm sure like when Nick Saban talks, all these coaches want to like find his secrets. Like I find myself wanting to do that with with parents. After we interview their kids on Hawk Talk, like, and I don't even, I'm not talking about from the superstar division one student athlete. I'm talking right. about like maturity, essential social purpose, Uh just being able to admit that as a freshman, she needed to change the way she thought about nutrition and practice and responsibility and time management. It's crazy. Well, like, It's crazy.
0: It, well, that... Is something that I think is very unique. We've spoken to our coaches this year about what is going on in the NCAA, and if if student athlete isn't happy in a situation, they move on. And and every situation is different. Like Aaliyah could have got here as a freshman, looked around, and said, "You know what? Not for me." Thought it was, but no, she she worked harder. So whatever is in her to make that decision, Mister and Mrs. Moore did that. Amazing. However many years earlier, maybe that'll be the next element to this. Maybe we'll have to interviewing parents. Maybe I have to interview a parent. Uh, and that's, that's more just uh, for me.
1: Yeah, yeah, personal interview, personal. not Absolutely. on Hawk Talk.
0: You know, it, it's a it's a you know weird time of year now with kind of sports being done, and now um, there's another special event on our calendar. There's two actually yeah, this Friday. week, right? We've got you know a Hall of Fame uh, class that we get to induct on Friday. That's two. Yeah, I feel bad change. for them. I, I do too. Two years in change in the making. Um, Ryan Kinney from our men's soccer program, Bobby Smith from our track and field and football program, mm-hmm. um, and, a, and a group of donors and supporters and friends that is called the Touchdown Club will be inducted into our Hall of Fame for Friday. And then we have the uh, golf outing on Monday where Leah will speak. So just because games are done doesn't mean that there's not a lot going on.
1: And definitely get on our website and our social media and find the auctions for the golf outing. Uh, there are some really, really awesome things that are still like financially attainable. I'm talking about foursomes at some of the best clubs in the, in the area. Yeah. Um, there are experiences where you can travel with some of our teams, be a uh, coach for a day on the sideline for football. Um, that is the entertainment value of that is, alone is worth its weight in gold. Uh, but there are some really, really cool things on there. And obviously the golf outing is sold out, and that's, a, uh, that's an amazing accomplishment at Matita Country Club, one of the, probably the t- second or third nicest uh, golf course in all of New Jersey, which has some beautiful golf courses. Uh, and so 100% of that money, and there's a lot of people across campus who've worked really hard on this event, hundred percent of that money goes right back to student athletes. It goes into the athletic directors excellence fund, which is used primarily most of the time, uh, to just excel, to make student athletes experiences that much better. It's not, uh, Oh, Hey, you know, we need to, I don't know, buy more socks or it's, it's stuff that's really going to make a difference in the lives of our student athletes. And, um, that's definitely where all that money goes to. So get on there and check out those auctions. That's my pitch.
0: And, and get all over social media because you're going to be able to see some great, you know, content from Friday's event to the the, the golf outing on Monday, and you know, it's all going to lead towards a, a very interesting summer around here, where um, transitioning. Out of the MAC, out of the Big South, into the CAA. We talked about this when we had President Leahy on a couple of months ago. At this point, it's going to be a, you know a constant kind of theme, and we're going to be kind of talking about it. You know, hopefully, we're we're able to steal um, some time with some CAA folks. You know, at some point, yeah, we,
1: we we told Commissioner D'Antonio that we were going to have him on.
0: And. First of all, if you can find him because he goes
1: to everything, everything
0: he is, and it
1: doesn't matter where it is.
0: If you follow him on, if you follow him on Twitter, you actually have to go through the timeline and see, <laughs> wait, you were in Newark, Delaware yesterday. How are you in Elon today? How are you in Boston the next day? Um, and, and very open. And, and, you know, when we had him on our ESPN show that day, was great. um, he was great. And, and, and it'll be great to, to do that. And, you know, like we said, just cause the game stop doesn't mean a Hawk talk will stop. I'm happy to be back and doing it again. Um, and you know what? We're excited for the next one. We're going to have great alums on this summer. We're going to yeah. have, you know, more great conversations. And, you know, we'll just keep it rolling. I'm not sure. When are we going to say season one ends and season two starts? We'll have to have some some meetings about that. Yeah.
1: Well, well we started in December. But I don't think that's – I think maybe we just – we we end. Maybe, maybe we go fiscal year. You know, yeah. the university calendar is June 30th. Is, is That's what I was thinking. Day.
0: That's what I was thinking. Like July 1, season 2 comes out with... Uh, <laughs>
1: season 2.
0: <laughs> <laughs> we got to get the syndication. That's the goal.
1: I'm all about it. Well, it was
0: great catching up with Aaliyah. Great to be able to to do this again. We're going to be doing it all summer long. So make sure you follow the Athletics Department accounts on social media, Greg and myself as well. We'll be putting out great content all summer long, including great Hawk Talk content like we did today. Subscribe, rate, review, listen. Make sure you tell your friends about Hawk Talk as well because it's great stuff from the student athletes and crew here at Monmouth University.
1: All the cool kids are doing it.
0: production of the monmouth digital network hawk talk is available on all major podcast distribution sites including spotify apple Podcasts, audible pandora and more all rights reserved uh-huh.